Hello, and welcome to the March Respiratory Care Editor's Commentary Podcast. March Editor's Choice Paper by Bartell and colleagues from Duke evaluate the proper placement of endotracheal tubes in infants weighing less than a kilogram. In a retrospective review, they compared two weight-based formulas for determining appropriate position of the endotracheal tube. Appropriate endotracheal tube position was defined as the tip of the endotracheal tube below the thoracic inlet and above the carina at approximately the second or third thoracic vertebrae on chest radiograph. Both formulas had relatively low sensitivity for predicting endotracheal tube death. The authors conclude that early chest x-ray for confirmation of the tube placement is essential. Volsco pens an accompanying editorial suggesting potential limitations to this study, owing to the retrospective design, are many. She also argues for a reliable method for confirmation of ET tube placement and a prospective trial to validate that method. Unplanned extubations are a safety issue that can have both positive and negative outcomes. Many studies describe successful unplanned extubations, suggesting perhaps that the patient knows best. Cadella and others describe the use of non-invasive ventilation following unplanned extubation. In a group of 121 subjects experiencing 131 unplanned extubations, they found the use of NIV prolonged reintubation as well as duration of ventilation and ICU length of stay. Rescue NIV was unsuccessful in nearly two-thirds of cases. Nava and colleagues opine that this study confirms two important truths. The first is purposeful extubation at the earliest possible moment should be achieved, and second, that immediate reintubation following unplanned extubation associated with overt respiratory failure should be accomplished. Waiting for the patient to do better results in worse outcomes. Cough augmentation has been a frequent subject of research in the journal in the past year. Delamo, Castrillo, and others evaluate two methods of cough assist in subjects with neuromuscular disease. Using breast stacking or a pre-programmed increase in tidal volume from a volume ventilator, they found that cough peak flow was highest with the techniques producing the highest inspiratory capacity. They also suggest that monitoring inspired volumes could identify the method to best increase cough peak flow. Toussaint editorializes that these methods are clever and effective. He also points out that these methods avoid the need for an ancillary device for cough assistance, reducing costs and simplifying care. Chen et al. evaluated the impact of electrical muscle stimulation on muscle function in subjects requiring prolonged mechanical ventilation. While no changes in pulmonary function were identified, they did find increases in muscle strength. Importantly, however, there were no changes in clinical outcomes, such as days on mechanical ventilation. Core and others evaluated post-hospitalization short-term oxygen therapy in subjects at hospital discharge. Using a retrospective audit over a five-year period, they reviewed patient demographics and comorbidities, results of arterial blood gases, and six-minute walk tests along with the oxygen prescription. Half of the subjects had chronic lung disease, and a quarter were given oxygen for dyspnea palliation. At a one-month follow-up, nearly half of the patients no longer met the criteria for home oxygen therapy. Importantly, these are not the same patients who get long-term oxygen therapy um, based on Medicare guidelines. One-year survival in this group was only 56%. The use of ECMO for non-cardiac indications has increased exponentially in the last five years. Enso and others evaluated the use of non-cardiac ECMO to determine if there was a seasonal association related to influenza. They reported that non-cardiac and cardiac ECMO use in the United States were significantly associated with influenza incidence. The influenza A H1N1 2009 subtype 
had the strongest association. CPAP was introduced for neonates in the 1970s with impressive impact on outcomes in neonates. Dasso and co-workers evaluated varying levels of CPAP on muscle function in intubated infants. At 4, 6, and 8 centimeters of CPAP, there were significant differences in ventilation efficiency. However, in this study, 6 centimeters of CPAP improved function over 4 centimeters, but an additional step to 8 provided no benefit. A number of reports demonstrate that patients fail to use MDIs properly. Schmitz et al. used a survey of pediatric primary care providers practices to define MDI educational efforts. Only 10% of practices reported having the patient practice inhaler technique at introduction. Time and lack of access to demo MDIs were identified as the primary barriers to instruction. They suggest that repeated MDI practice for motor learning could promote MDI skill mastery. In a second paper by Core and others, they evaluated exertional dyspnea and the prescription for home oxygen in a group of patients with interstitial lung disease. Their retrospective review found that exertional desaturation is common in subjects with, with interstitial lung disease. Reduced exercise capacity and poor lung function were associated with a prescription for home oxygen therapy. Boyer and others evaluated the use of a 10-hour e-test approach to tailoring antibiotic therapy in subjects with suspected ventilator-associated pneumonia. The goal of this bedside test is to facilitate de-escalation of antibiotic therapy to prevent resistance. They found good concordance with the 10-hour e-test and traditional laboratory results. The authors speculate that rapid susceptibility testing might lead to an early adjustment of empirical antimicrobial treatment in suspected VAP. Tuberculosis remains a common disease in certain areas on the globe. The risk of infection spreading to healthcare workers is a concern mitigated by universal precautions. In a study of 274 healthcare workers over three years in Taiwan, Sai and colleagues found a very low rate of worker infection. Respiratory therapists had no higher risk for latent TB infection than other care providers in Taiwan, a country with an intermediate TB incidence. Alcatani et al. evaluated hookah smoking among college students in a survey of over 300 students. They found that half have tried hookah smoking and that more than half believed that hookah smoking was less dangerous than cigarette smoking. Importantly, knowledge of these risks and health-related attitudes towards water pipe smoking were sorely misinformed. El Torari et al. provide a narrative review on the impact of electronic cigarettes on the lungs, as well as additional organ systems. Lee and colleagues performed a systematic review on the mortality rate of mechanically ventilated patients treated with chlorhexidine mouth care. The results of their analysis do not support the link between chlorhexidine or mortality in mechanically ventilated subjects. This is at odds with previous work. Thank you for listening to the Restory Care Podcast. To receive the content of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues.